This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. So, it is an afternoon walk that is occurring. And, just getting my bearings here. We have the usual Vancouver rain that is hard at work. And uh, at, at the snow, the remaining lumps of snow. what kind of rain it is. I don't know. Is it a drizzle? It's a bit more, it's just sort of one step up from, from drizzle. Judging if I've made a mistake uh, in my apparel, <laughs> like, will, I, will I come back? Will I get home in the same condition that I left? Right, that's the that's the question. Okay. literary devices and there were I got a couple that uh, jumped out at me because I, I wanting, I'm wanting to do the uh, series of literary devices episodes talking about them and just make it a habit to uh, you know quickly dig and, and see what I can come up with uh, for my own benefit as well, because there's there's many out there, and there's uh, exotic ones. Say there's ones that in other cultures that no one is using, or or say you know that might get lost. Um, another example is older ones, older Greek ones that you know they're not the top ten or top twenty. Uh, when you look at a list of literary devices, the good list, you know, it'll be hundreds, whereas, you know, the, the little ones are, they're not giving the whole um, spectrum. <clears throat> and so... <clears throat> There's, there's uh, a good a good example I think is literary devices used in poetry, uh, Greek poetry, but all over the place. There's literary devices that get put aside that you know might contain a, a nugget of an idea. Ah, there's one, ekphrasis. So there's a literary device from ancient Greece. And it'll pop up in, uh, even today, in poetry writing. Some, you know, poet will go back and go, I'm going to write necrasis. And you can, you can totally put a necrasis into your, um, into your book, into your short story. Uh, but I've talked about necrasis a number of times. The one that jumped out at me today was, it was a toss-up between onomatopoeia and another one was satire. And I use, I do, I have used onomatopoeia uh, in my book. I really liked how it. Um, I just noticed there was a pleasing quality to it. There was something that was kind of um, primal, um, but also, you know, something that children do. Uh, <clears throat> uh, 
and and there's just something about sort of like say a free flowing conversation versus something that's in, you know bound by structure, and uh, so that can be fun. But it's it's satire that got me. Um, And why? Uh, Modest Proposal. So this is Jonathan Swift, and he's creating this pamphlet. And he's using satire. So this is, let's say, 300 years ago. And Jonathan Swift, I believe he's Irish, living in England. Something along those lines. But uh, there's starvation or famine happening in Ireland, and he proposes to eat the Irish. He says this is a solution, you know, that how to solve this problem, and then we eat the Irish. And you know, on one hand, you know, on one hand, it's horrible, right? This is a disgusting thing. And then on the other, it is uh, you know, say also laughing. You know, it's it's sort of making a joke of something terrible, but underneath it, it's exposing uh, folly and say, the corruption of that time. And, uh... So it's, it's bringing something to light. Like, say, normally you might just push the subject aside, whatever the topic is. You could just sort of, Well, I don't want to read that. And that's one of the great things about the, um... Putting my phone on airplane mode. Uh, yeah, so this is one of the, the great things. It's almost like, say, normally we would bypass it, but it's just so uh, horrific and um, comic. You know, that sort of like that you might read it, right? And it it might shock you and jar you, and and so here is something. You know, it's it's a weird thing too because responses, you know, can vary. Is oh well, that's political. It's like well, hmm, um, is it ethical though? You know, isn't it? Isn't it a moral thing that we should? You know, help out each other and do nice things. So, so that's uh, that's my starting point uh, for this this topic. Let's see what we can dredge up if there's examples, uh, examples elsewhere of satire. Um, I haven't done that so much. I had, I've, I've written levity. I have a lot of levity in my Terrapin stories. But I wasn't thinking you know, I'm going to, I'm going to illustrate something, I'm going to use comedy to sort of, uh, reveal, uh, say, people, people doing bad things, and, there's lots of opportunities, The, the one that immediately comes to mind is, say, watching uh, late-night television. Um, 
late night, uh, what are they called? Interview shows? You know, late night with, um, like say Johnny Carson, uh, back years ago. Interviews, usually they have to do with, you know, they're interviewing celebrities. They're, uh, there's a, there's a book, right, that's being flogged. And, and a lot of it is, you know, verging on variety television. But there's, you know, humor mixed in there. The monologues at the beginning of the show often have satire. There'll be uh, jokes that uh, make fun, make fun of political figures. Usually it's political figures. And I, I'm just like, you know, okay, now, is, is that satire? I have a friend, acquaintance locally, who has made a lot of uh, YouTube films, and I would I would argue pretty good quality. And satire is an element in a lot of them. I uh, and he was actually contacted. He did. I, I think it was called Pokemon. Apocalypse, and he was actually uh, contacted by uh, the people who own the Pokemon franchise, and uh, I think it was a bit of sort of a cease and desist. Uh, and there, there was a question going on whether uh, or not they had any sway, because it was. Uh, satire. So there's the question of, you know, well, was it satire? Was it parody? Another question, say, is that if they push it, right, take it to court, uh, how, how could it be done in the cheapest way possible? So even if, you know, it is satire or parody, it still could end up in court. One of my thoughts was, uh, if you're like me, that you that you might <laughs> you might be brash <laughs> enough, bold enough to uh, to sort of like uh, I'm going to represent myself, and I'm going to do it in the sort of most simplistic legal way possible. And, uh, but, you know, who, who's to say, right, with, uh, with the amount of money that uh, they can get raised by these big corporations. But it's an interesting thought. And two, the win might be huge, right? The, uh, like, say, if they have to pay your, your court costs, you know, and it's determined for you, and, and uh, you know, you've been sort of skating by the seat of your pants, and then, uh, you, you know, you actually get this windfall back. Plus, two, all of the great uh, advertising. Just recently, they a movie is, is coming out, actually, with a lot of similarities. Differences, but uh, there are similarities. With, uh, uh, you know, apparently, you know, Pikachu turns out to be a talking... Um, I think it's Ryan Reynolds' voice and they're, they're attempting to solve a crime. And I, I like to think that my, you know, director friend had something to do with that, 
because I see a lot of the, I see a lot of things that are it's like I say, wait a second, this looks very familiar. thinking about, um, I was just leaving home, and thinking about satire, and it's, it all, it almost looks like, uh, satire, which is, you know, half man, half goat, kind of like a fawn, and I was thinking, it's like, oh, it'd be interesting, it'd be an interesting, uh, challenge, to see how many literary devices could be fit into a small, like say just a couple lines, right, or a paragraph that had every conceivable, conceivable literary device. So, you know, it would have satire, it would have alliteration, which is when you're rhyming uh, the beginning of a word rather than the end of a word. So something like you know, the satire sat uh, on the satire sat on uh, sandy shores. That would be an example. And two, you could even get better with uh, Because we're doing sa, so it would be sa 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 sa. The satirical sat satire, sat, so and so on and so on. But you know, putting in foreshadowing and putting in uh, lots of other goodness, just as a challenge, so that it becomes almost like the. The toolbox, right? And sort of every big literary device is in this paragraph. And then I don't know. You'd get uh, framed, and then um, sort of used as a sort of reference. You know, every time you're walking by it, look up and go, "Oh yes, literary devices." So we've talked about what satire is. So, you know, how how would we do this? How would we construct this thing? Um, with the example of Jonathan Swift, this modest proposal, there is a sense of uh, outrage. Um, first of all, that's what we're starting with. We're we're starting with it. There's something. And two, it, it could be personal, but it, it's more, say, it's an affront to your um, sense of humanity and, and what you consider to be, uh, you know, just, <laughs> you know, a, a not a kind thing, you know, not a compassionate thing. So this is the opposite. And it's flipping it around. That seems to be what's going on. So, you know, you take the thing that is happening, this outrageous thing, and then it's flipped around. And um, much like hyperbole, which is this, you know, you take something and you explode it, you uh, expand it into outrageous Uh, lengths and and uh, so in the example of the modest proposal, the outrage is it's it's about this uh, famine that's going on. So we're talking about food. We're talking about hunger. We're talking about eating. 
Uh, also, too, the this over exaggeration. It's it's also being connected to the people on the other side of the equation, the British. I, also, I know that it's not just the British, because during the Great Famine in the I think is it that that's in the 1800s um, that there there were Irish who were taking advantage right that they were uh, basically stealing food the British were sending food but it was being stolen by uh, Irish uh, or perhaps it was say you know in cahoots. Anyways, the food did not, you know, the care packages did not get to where they were supposed to, and instead, uh, the emergency food was being sold back to England. So it's it's not it's not just an easy thing to point the finger. Right? You have to sort of dig a bit deeper. Uh, right, so we have, have to have the outrage, then we have, okay, well, what's an over-exaggeration? And, and two, we sort of flip it over, over-exaggerate it. One, one example that just came to mind was... It, it was uh, a, a response to uh, Palestine. And so this is down in Israel. And uh, a group attempting to make peace between uh, Israel and Palestine. And the response was this over-exaggeration that, say, when people were saying, you know, oh, you don't like uh, Palestinians, then the response was to over-exaggerate, you know, and to say, oh well, you know, we should we should kill them all, and you know, the good, decent, usual person's response would be, no, you know, no, I'm not suggesting that. So it created this uh, dialogue uh, via this kind of shock. And I, I didn't think of it as satire at the time. They were terming it something different. Uh, and I think, actually, I think a, a lot of the time when satire is being used, that, like, say, that it, it, it can be used as a rhetorical, um, a rhetorical device in speeches or debates or propaganda on both sides. Uh, let's see, is there anything else? It's, it's, also, it's also about gauging reactions. Like, you know, the suggestion Jonathan Swift takes it a step farther. Like, he's, he's, he's saying... You know, he's not just suggesting killing everyone, right? He's suggesting eating them as well, right? That, and it's, it's perverse, right? You know, number one, you know, people don't eat people, right? We, there's a number of reasons not to do this. Uh, that said, you know, there, there are traditions, there are cultures. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it still exists to some degree or another. There's symbolic eating, right? You go into any uh, Christian outlet, you know, most likely or not, than not, you know, they've got this symbolic uh, communion, you know, their way, their way of connecting with a uh, transcendent state is to consume it. So it's it's not it's not actually it's not that far fetched, right? But 
there's the you know wonderful flip flops of of logic that happen and getting beneath it that this consuming is actually happening right there is a consumption there's a consumerism at work that say you know say resources things are not being spread around uh, instead it's being centralized things what do I mean by things resources um, I think a big upshot of it as well, events like that, poverty in general, is it's about a... People don't want to look bad. And this sort of event just makes look... just makes people look bad, right? The people who are not, you know, experiencing poverty and hard times... And that's one important thing. So, you, know, you don't want to. You don't want to look bad. You want to look good. You want to look beautiful, uh, fashionable. And so. And two, not you know, not in a physical, but sort of to have people view you and go, oh, this is a upstanding person, right? This is a morally significant person. So this little pamphlet, uh, if only to educate, right? Um, it shocks, it educates. How could this be used in writing? There could be a character that delights in satire, that satirizes. Perhaps there's a scene where a comedian, not even on the stage, but it could be in a conversation, that one person takes, uh, you know, a satirical stance in order to uh, reveal uh, just, you know, how despicable a person is, right? So, you know, suddenly it reduces from large uh, platform soapbox to just a conversation between two people it, it could even be between these two people and you know this, this satire is illustrating the other person's uh, shortcomings so that's how that's an example of how to make it quite relevant uh, to storytelling why bother why not just freestyle the whole thing one of the hallmarks is what do I mean one of the hallmarks even though say everybody is not going to you know study English literature you know, the classics what you know what has been decided upon as classic you know until uh, until we stop and stop you know studying it because it's you know <laughs> We just don't do that kind of thing anymore. That uh, they cease to become relevant. Which is an interesting thought. Should we, shouldn't we still study them? Because in order to define you know, the difference, say, you know, well, that was going on then, but we don't do that now. But even though... Yeah, people are not studying all of all of these texts. People still are picking them up. We still have uh, movies. We still have people referring to them, even in everyday speech. We still have satire. Uh, I was thinking earlier 
cartoons, political cartoons. There's amazing things uh, that can be done with political cartoons. They've existed. I'm sure they've, they, it goes all the way back. Um, I remember seeing political cartoons from 300 plus years ago. And people with wigs, you know, pointing the finger at each other. A finger. So this this is my arguing for the toolbox, and to my own toolbox. And I really haven't considered uh, satire to the, to the degree I'd like to. I know of it. I think that I have used the grotesque to illustrate um, the bureaucratic. Because that's one thing that came up in my book, was to illustri- illustrate the bu- you know bureaucracy and how cold and callous it can be, and people just go along with it, you know, because that's that's what you do in a, in a kind of dictatorship, you know, to whatever degree or another. It's like, well, that's you know, hard knocks. That's what we do. So as we wrap things up we must. Oh, <laughs> we're just halfway. So let's, uh, before we wrap things up, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's create an example. I really like the notion of it being reduced to two people and one person is satirizing the other person. And know that, knowing that they've done something despicable, it could even be just say emotionally despicable. I'm just thinking of a, of a situation where like say, you know, fi- finding out that someone has uh, cheated. It, it's, it's, it was a weird situation too where say, I'm invited into this debate of what to do. Right, sort of like, uh, and cheated, cheated. Uh, let's leave it open, <laughs> open to your interpretation. And yeah, so I, I'm I'm saddled with this. Uh, you know, I have to, I have to sort of. It's handed over to me. You know, it's like, oh well, you know, Moss. What do you think I should do? Do you think I should you know, stay in this relationship? Do you think I should get out? Because I'm, you know, I'm... Uh, I guess it could be, say, polyamorous, you know, and... And two, not putting anything on um, people who, you know, don't feel that it, that doesn't fit for them, right? You know, it's important for them. What's important is to, say, respect... Uh, to also to know your limitations and not get into something where you're going to, you know, <laughs> emotionally destroy someone. That said, you know, it's a, it's a horrible uh, thing to... It's it, it sort of say, I'm, I'm championing. I say, like, you know, it's like not even, right? Let's... Uh, if, you, if you're destroyed by, by a relationship... You know, it's terrible, yes, but it also... I'm speaking from experience, though. You know, that's that's a flaw, right? And... But it's also heavily promoted. And... I don't think... I don't think there's enough examples of people... Sort of, say, media represented, representation of uh, healthy relationships. Right? Storytelling as well. It's just consumed with you know, unhealthy, um, it's almost like romance addiction, right? It would just, it would just be great to see a lot of romance that is well-informed and it's about, you know, making healthy choices and, uh, (laughs) you're living in a fantasy world, Moss. Yes, 
I know. But yeah, so using that real life example as a jumping off point, and just like going, okay, so there's these two people, and first of all, I think my Uh, first of all, my my response, like say, thinking about these two characters and going, okay, so there's this relationship uh, problem. And two, I'd like to open it up. It could be any relationship. It could be like a, um, I had some uh, business partners who, and two, uh, I had a business partner who backed out, like who you know finally got to the point where they realized they didn't want to do the th- the the business, you know. And I had a bunch of choices, and so to, you know, get all upset. Um, you know, I was upset, but at the same time, I very much myself was on the road to uh, leaving that business. So um, it was almost like say stepping stones to figuring out. Okay, you know, I. I really like writing, you know, I want to, that's what I'm going to do. So it would be hypocritical, even ahead of time. Um, but let's, let's say that's, that's the relationship. That's the kind of, uh, the, the kind of cheating that has occurred. And that, you know, this person is wanting to get out of one business and get into some other kind of business. You know, they want their career, right? They want to become an actor. There we go. So we have our two characters. And the character in the original business wants to satirize this because they feel, they do feel, <laughs> they, they do feel jilted. They do feel uh, upset, right? Because, you know, we've been working hard in this. You're stepping away. I know what, you know, I know it's a good thing for you but I'm choked up about this, right? And so, it's that almost sounds a bit of subtext as well. Let's make a let's make a cup of tea. Actually, I've got some. I'll, I'll break the rules of time and space, and I've got some um, old tea, so we can heat up some old tea. Somewhere, someone is screaming. <laughs> this is an outrage. <laughs> Oh come on. It's not as traditional as you think. When did when did tea en- enter the the British experience? <laughs> England has had tea since the dawn of time. I was curious like was there some kind of heated up beverage that existed before? This is probably from the Asterix and Obelix uh, comic books, because they had one where there was the um, the invention of tea. <laughs> uh, all right, so satire. So our character who's remaining in the business is. Uh, is is looking for this over exaggeration, and the over exaggeration I would say is, say, looking at this other person and going, that and thinking, in this kind of knee jerk reaction way, saying something that, that they are, unable to, uh, hold, right? They're unable to hold down. Um, what's that called when you can't stick to something, right? You know, and uh, this over exact, but over blowing it totally out of proportion, right? And so right now I'm I'm thinking about that and going, yeah. So what's an example of that where, you know, it's something. It's going back to that, the. You know, oh, people are, people are. Um, dying of hunger, well, let's just, let's eat them, right? It just, it makes no sense, right? And yet it does, right? It makes a point, so, uh, 
it's it's the total opposite, grotesque, uh, opposite and horrific. So, uh, you know, somebody wants to leave the business, and then um, I, my, I'm just going to go through some ideas, spitballing. Which I I don't know why they say spitball. What is a spitball? A spitball is like kids in school. They take their pen, you know, they sort of hollow out the pen. They use it as a blow dart kind of thing. little chewed up piece of paper that they spit and then it sticks to something. I, I, think, I think the exaggeration, just talking about the spitball and shooting this stuff, it makes me think of like going to the moon, right? And the exaggeration, just taking it all the way and say, you know, You'd go to the moon and then at the very last minute, you know, turn back, ex- sort of over-exaggerating um, because you had to use the washroom, right? Something like that, right? Which is, you know, it's a horrible thing to say. Um, there's some truth to it, right? I think in that voice, there, you know, this being so satirical, um, not, you know, in a political sense, but in a very personal, uh, private sense. I'm thinking that these two people, like say, in my experience, it was like, you know, I knew this person really well. We were friends. Are we friends now? I would be friendly to them, right? But I would always be, it would always be balanced with, this is the type of person who, right? And uh, I, w- I would never say something like that, right? You're the type of person, right, that would go to the moon and then, you know, turn back. You wouldn't go to the moon, right? You turn back because you had to use the washroom, right? It stings. It's funny, right? But it's horrible. And I'm sure if I said that to my ex-business partner, old business partner, that they would, you know, it would sting, right? I think, though, they would be also kind of thankful that I didn't tear them apart, right? That I made a criticism of them, um, and two, it'd be, it's a, that's a critique of their character. <laughs> and two, if you're out there listening to this, I would never say this to you. <laughs> you're a very nice person. Um, there's politics there too, right? Say, not burning bridges. And um, I haven't been so great at that. I, I, I think I've been pretty good, you know... Um, Obviously, there's people that you you don't want to talk to, right? But uh, even then, it's you know there's there's good reason to sort of ex- uh, there's always the exception. I'm just going through my list and going. Now there's some people that, man, you know, <laughs> so unhealthy, right? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Uh, right, how are we doing for time? That was, I think that was productive. So we're in the wrap-up, and the wrap-up. Just, I've just warmed up this, uh, tea desecration here. It'd be great if it had milk in it. And, you know, just sort of take it all the way. Okay, so, wrapping this up. So, satire. Uh, yeah, it's a tool in, in, in one's arsenal. A, a good example of why to explore, why to use, to have, to think about uh, literary devices is this example I'm doing right now because I have never sat down and thought, okay, I'm going to, to do satire. I'm going to have an example of it, right? You know, oh, I, I'm really inspired by, you know, such and such. Could be a political cartoonist, could be a, a writer who uses satire. You could be even, say, breaking into, say, something like comedy, you know, and thinking, you know, it'd be great if I could do something with satire, right? Um, I was going to say, uh, I've, I've noticed that P- 
people with a certain agenda. I don't want to say political, but they have an agenda. And that they will use satire. Uh, comedians. I remember seeing a comedian. The whole, like, you know, I knew that the whole, um, I guess it would be called a set, but the comedian's whole routine, you know, it was about uh, her uh, sexuality. It was about being uh, a lesbian. It was about sort of like, you know, and, and it was taking something really serious and it was adding levity to it. Um, and two, I found myself going, you know, if I knew ahead of time, I might sort of go, well, it's like, well, you know, I don't, you know, and, and not in this particular case, but say in another, it could be somebody with an agenda that I don't agree with, but that say somebody is getting me to think about something that I'm not preoccupied with, right? It's not my experience. And I appreciate that, right? Because, uh, you know, we all have our limitations, right? Even if, even if our boxes our cubicles are, you know, quite large. We st we're still living in this confined space, um, experience of experience. So that's one example that comes to mind where I find even, even the sort of lewdist, um, even the lewdist comedians are challenging us, Right, challenging us to stick to our guns or to define, you know, why we are sticking to our guns. It, it's 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 not enough. It's not enough just to sort of sit back and go, oh, everything's fine. You know, it's going to get taken care of, and um, there's a desire for that, but. I, th I think even in doing that, there's that sort of acquiescing. And I'm sure that, say, you, you, know, you can sit back right now and, and make a list right, of things that are going on right now that you know, could be satir satirized, right? that could use your talent in that area. Um, and and, the, and the, what I like about this is that, say, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, you've got to take a side. I'm, I'm sort of more going, take your side, right? You know, whatever, you know, your agenda is, right? You can do something with this tool that will get people to think. And that's a good thing, right? To, to, be, to be wrestling with it, to not just accept it, but to sort of wrestle with it and... and make, say, informed decisions rather than, I was going to say deformed decisions, but um, there, was some, there was some comment about opinions. I remember, I, remember, I remember seeing that, what is it, to have an opinion is, is to, it's an opinion, uh, well, it's something for you to look up, myself as well, that something about, it has to do with facts, like that, it's either that an opinion is is um, has to be based on facts, something like that. Like you can't just sort of make something up. Uh, I mean, you can, but I, I think that sort of gets into technicalities as well. And even even the best you know best written uh, opinion piece, you know, it has its biases and. Yeah, as I go along, I feel that it's not that I bec I'm becoming more political. It's just that I'm becoming better at uh, better at sort of a clearer, right? So there's more clarity. There's more sense of um, oh, okay, you know, this is this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. I suspect too that that's you know say for most people that they things get cleared up and like like I was mentioning with that you know the business situation you know say for me I was I was sort of f figuring it out it's like okay well you know is it writing I think it's writing 
you know, it really feels like it's writing. Just to sort of um, sort of settle down, uh, it kind of connected to satire. So I'm I'm working on this. Um, it's it's literary fiction, and it's about showing as many sides of uh, an activist demonstration, right? That I can, and and two, it's not just the activists; it's the it's the police that are doing arrests. It's the um, it's it's the side that are opposite to the activists, and I, I was doing some research for this. Just uh, I think it was yesterday. I was reading these newspaper articles and the comments by this big big business, big corporation, and that they. Uh, the the way sort of both sides are talking about it, right? Very, very, um, you know, wanting wanting to look good in the press, in the media, right? It's like, well, you know, we're so happy to be, you know, working together, and we want, you know, everything to be sort of calm and okay. Uh, so yeah, so quite quite interesting, and two digging up things. I didn't know about right. I didn't. I didn't have all the facts, and so as I dig, I, I start to get more facts and more information. And I, th I like that. I like that. It suddenly it's become more complicated, and it's not just this cut and dry sort of good guy bad guy thing. Um, and two, I'm more on one side than the other. But this is relevant in, in thinking about um, thinking about satire and thinking about the, the the needs on both sides and the flaws on both sides. What do I mean by flaws? Um, I, I, I did an episode, a hot seat, for this podcast yesterday and so I did a couple character interviews and it, it was interesting I sort of found myself exploring these characters doing this instead of writing it I was it was doing a this verbal um, exploration so it seemed a bit more immediate but one of the characters that we start with has no um, has has no uh, sort of alignment you know they're not they're not doing this activism for the for the reasons that one might think and so I, I like that I like that sort of complication we're getting into sort of the, the gray territory the gray characters of who are morally ambiguous That uh, that that particular piece—it's a sample—and I'm applying for a grant. Um, so, so we'll see. Um, so, th so this is an example of something. Um, I'm a I'm technically I'm a, I'm a published author, so technically I can apply for this grant. It's it's, it's interesting that I'm using the word technically. It's, it's like uh, you know that's that's my framework of sort of you know t to be to enter into this territory, and um, people like Patrick Boulevard will say you know you know you've been published it's happened it's like oh yeah right <laughs> okay this is happening. I'm just wanting to kind of wind down with satire and go like say what what ways can I use it right now um, and i I suspect I'm going to use the two people technique because I do have a character I have this character i'm 
I'm calling Alice, and she is uh, she's this older woman who's going to the demonstration um, because she's had this loss in her life, and so she you know she needs she needs to get out. She needs to be doing something, and this just happens to be you know the cause that she aligns herself with. But but she has this conversation with her her uh, her husband as she's leaving, and I I could see this guy being satirical, right? That he is just so he's got one foot in the grave, and uh, it's it's the sort of retired person who's you know they they don't have anything else, right? They're sort of their job was everything, and um, they've lost their you know, only child, the son, and so this is kind of it, right? And I'm just imagining it's sort of biting that this relationship has uh, has this side, which I suspect most do. Of it, it's sort of like say any family relationship, right? Where there's this part, you know, you grow up with the sibling, and you have this kind of rivalry or, or snark. Right, it's just you know, it's like I don't know where that comes from, but um, anyways, imagining these two, and that they perhaps mutually have this snark, you know, and it's just become um, you know their way of coping and dealing with each other and. Um, Just imagining this guy, you know, as I mentioned before, that he's responding uh, to Alice and over-exaggerating, right? Making making a point, but uh, over-exaggerating it. And I, I, I had written a small moment between them where he was saying that, you, sh- you know, you should go do this thing, right? And... I'm not sure if I'll have to look and see, you know, if if that actually takes away agency. Um, I would like it if it's her that you know that she makes the choice rather than him suggesting it. Um, but we'll see. I see him more as at this point as the the defeatist, and, and that he's he's given up. Um, And I think too that say this you know the sort of purpose purposelessness that he's given up on life, you know their son has passed away, his purpose is gone, you know he's not working anymore, and that the the over exaggeration of her is say you know that she refuses right and Maybe sort of a comment like, you know, whereas he he is given in, you know, and he's kind of like a, a ghost or something, you know, she's more like a zombie because she's, you know, she's unwilling to, you know, she's unwilling to let go. Something like that. I could see, too, that he was sort of exaggerated as well as sort of like, the, you know, he's gone on and to get his wings, right? You know, and, oh, you know, I'm so good because I've I've done the Kubler-Ross um you know, I've I've accepted I've accepted death, but you have not, right? I'm so much better than you. It really twisted up uh, this, you know, the, the sides of the uh, equation. And two, this is not her, um, and I, but I, I think it's sort of a stinging kind of last, um, last comment. You know, I'm imagining too something like you know when she comes home he is going to be dead, right? You know that, you know that he. He'll just have sort of he'll he's he's drinking himself to death basically, right? And that's that sort of I've said that too that he's, you know he's got the drink in his hand and he's he is drunk, that weird kind of drunk where, um. What is it that you're so used to? the substance that you know it no longer does anything to you but you can't stop because you're so because it's you know i think it's the dt's right detoxification where you're 
if you if you stop all at once, right, it will kill you. And uh, yeah, blood alcohol level is he's just so used to you know this high level of 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 booze. Um, it's and and to you know th- that satirical moment seems, you know, there's a tragedy going on, right? There's a between these these two people, you know, story wise, it's awesome and it's good, and it, but as sort of like the human part of me is like going, oh, you know, this, <laughs> how do I help, right? <laughs> how do I, how do I step into the scene and, you know, help this guy, you know, sort of like, you know, come on, you know, go to the hospital, <laughs> get, you know, get some help. Um, Easier said than done, right? You know, the whole, uh, is it an idiom, leading the horse to water, right? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Uh, yeah. And, um, and two, yeah, people are like that. And I think that is good enough. Uh, thanks for listening. And so there's a, what's it, there's a, a reasonable um, proposal for literary devices. You know, let's let's eat them. Well, it's ridiculous. <laughs>